0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now.
0: It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN.
2: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey? Here we go.
0: Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're live from the, the Missouri Athletic Club downtown for the College Basketball Writers Association Awards. We were here a year ago, We got a chance to talk to some great people, uh, but Jr. wasn't here, so we're we're inviting Jr.
2: I was shocked that Jr. We're right in the gym and the workout area. I was shocked that we didn't see him up there doing some jumping jacks or he, he something.
0: He usually does. Yeah, he's a
1: <laughs> fairly a, a active pli- individual, a plyometric guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're JR. right. Yep. He does. Jr. joins yeah, us right that- now. What's going on, bud? Big on the plyometrics, yeah. Big on yeah. the plyometrics. I did. Uh, I did spend a little time at the gym today, just not the same gym you're at. So uh, maybe right. that qualifies. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jr. Dropping
2: something off for someone, Jr. Is not quite the same.
1: <laughs> Good point, Jamie. <laughs> they, they had a buffet there today.
0: <laughs> uh, Jamie and I ate the buffet. We today. did there have the buffet. It was outstanding. wonderful. Uh, Jr. I know that you were somebody that was a teammate of Jim Thomas at the Post Dispatch, and Jim is retiring at the uh, the end of the, the Blues season, so this will be his last home game, 48 years in the business, uh, obviously a long time with the Rams, and then when you went over to the Athletic, he, he covered the beat for the Blues, of course the Rams left for L.A., um, somebody that I know that uh, you respect greatly as well.
1: Yeah, for sure, Anthony, you know, I worked at the Post-Dispatch for about 18 years, and Jim was a mentor, I tweeted yesterday, he's on my Mount Rushmore of journalists and, and mentors, and. He was a guy I helped a little bit with the Rams, so just to be around him and see the work ethic out at Rams Park was uh, phenomenal. I used to sneak into the Post-Dispatch after Rams games, after he turned in his stories on Sunday, and go into the computer system at the Post-Dispatch just to read the stories to get his uh, perspective. That's how much I kind of looked up to to what he did. And then when I left uh, for the Athletic in 2017, you kind of wonder, everybody kind of wonders, okay, who's going to come in and replace you there at the newspaper, and You know, when they said, Jim, he said, I've never covered hockey. I've watched a little bit over the years. Boy, did he catch on quick. Uh, It wasn't too long before he was saying, well, I think they'll call up this guy because they've only got 17, you know, so on and so forth. It was just amazing how fast he caught on. So congratulations to a wonderful uh, career, a good friend, and an awesome mentor.
2: Yeah, JR, just to stick with Jim Thomas here just for a second, um, you know, two-part question for it. Uh, One, how hard – would that be to jump from one sport to another you kind of described a little bit there but you know put yourself in in gym shoes if you had to you know jump and cover the rams on a daily basis you know how hard would that be and then how hard is it overall to be the beat writer because in pro sports that team it's not all roses at the end of the day and there's things that you know there's losing streaks there's players that have bad personal streaks and it's not always easy to be that guy is it
1: No, it's not. And and to come from being a a Hall of Fame writer in the NFL where you you know how things work on an everyday basis, you know the salary cap, you know uh, qualifying offers, you know when when guys are coming in to try out, you have your sources built up within the organization. And to do that for 20-plus years, and if I'm not mistaken, in the 20-plus years that the the Rams were here, uh, and Jim even went out to L.A. to cover them a little bit before they came to St. Louis, Uh, I think he might have missed one or two practices and no games in in 20-plus years. So that's the work ethic right there. But you're familiar familiar with the vocabulary, the vernacular. When a front office person tells you something, Riv, uh, you know right away exactly what they're talking about and what the ramifications are, and you go write your story, and you're completely comfortable. But then when you come into the NHL and you talk about a draft lottery or you talk about you know, this player needs 10 games or 30 days in order to clear waivers. There's just so much uh, that's different in the NHL compared to the NFL, even if you're used to being a newspaper writer. And, and that's the part that he really picked up on. And, and then also uh, in terms of the day-to-day grind, for sure it's there. You know, I experienced that for 15-plus years at the post-dispatch. But just to give you an example, you know, after COVID and even during COVID with the Zoom, you don't get a lot of access to the players. You know, you might see a certain guy – once every couple weeks, and so when you get a chance to talk to him, you've got to ask the question even if the timing isn't right. And so Jim was put into situations where he had to ask, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, do you still want the trade request? Or Jordan Bennington, what do you think about not playing the last four games? Those are the types of questions you have to ask on a daily basis, and when you flip on the news and you see the sound bite from the player, you hear what the player has to say, but it takes a little bit of gumption to do that on a daily basis, and that's what uh, Jim did really well.
0: Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic joining us right now on the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jr. I wanted to ask you about your 12 things that we learned about the Blues down the stretch, and the first one that you had covered was the message still resonating to Craig Berube. Uh, Craig Berube's message still resonated with the players. Jamie had made this point a couple of times, and I thought it was uh, well made, even for him. Um, he was talking <laughs> about how if the, the, if the players – weren't the issue and Chief was the issue, then the players would still be here and Chief would be gone when the, when the Blues were really having their issues early on and there was a decision to be made. Uh, and obviously you feel the same way, writing that Barubi's message is still resonating within that locker room, and, and he's obviously the guy that the front office uh, believes that can, that, that can you know, oversee this
1: retool. Yeah, when I heard Riv say that a day or two, uh, I was listening, and it was kind of a, like a light went on with me. Like, oh, you know, that that is that is accurate. Like, if you're going to move the O'Reilly's and the Tarasenko's and the Barbashev's and the Achari's and, and kind of make this uh, roster retool and you're keeping the coach in place, that says a lot about what you think about the coach, and I think that's uh, dead on. It's a real good point by Riv. You know, where I was going with my point in the article is, you know, 11-7-2 down the stretch one of the top ten records in the NHL down the stretch. Look, nobody's given out ribbons uh, for missing the playoff. But I think it's a situation where I've covered a lot of seasons, I've covered a lot of bad teams, and I've seen it go the exact opposite way with a coach. And it might not be at the end of the season. It could be at the start of the season where uh, you see a Davis Payne get fired. But when it does go sideways, everybody looks to the coach, and that wasn't the situation here. And so uh, did they beat up on a lot of non-playoff teams uh, yeah, but I think they also had some really good performances, and more importantly, the effort was there. It looked like they were trying to end on a strong note. And I think that speaks well to uh, the coaching situation.
2: Jr. There were some additions made at the trade deadline and around the trade deadline. So, um, you know, we'll highlight Sammy Blay as well in this conversation. So, if we're looking in particular at Sammy Blay, Caspery Kapanen, and Jacob Verona, you know, in your opinion, how do you feel? Uh, these guys have worked out for the Blues. And, you know, what do you think their role is moving forward into next season?
1: Yeah, Sammy Blay, the best player in that trade, huh? Oh, my God, it's (laughs) unbelievable
2: how good he's playing.
1: Yeah, no, he's been great, and even greater than what he's been able to come in and do. You know, a lot of people thought that, okay, Sammy Blay's coming back. He was a part of that Stanley Cup team, uh, but he didn't do much in New York. But, you know, the more you think about it and the more we see him produce – You think about he's coming back from that knee injury. And, look, he's not going to be probably a top-line player, might not even be a top-six guy, but he's coming in and showing you that he can produce. He's got that physicality. But here's the best part. When I say greater, a million dollars next year. You have a Sammy Blay that looks like he's only getting better and healthier coming back for a million dollars, and that is absolutely terrific for the situation that the Blues are in, needing quality players and needing them on the cheap. And then you look at Brandon Kapanen, you know, I think both of those guys have uh, been good, too, coming in. Definitely provided that extra notch in the speed department. And, again, super cheap. Detroit picks up 50% of Rana's salary. You get him for a couple and a half million dollars next year. You kind of got the uh, capping in on the cheap as well. And the, the the big thing here is, you know, are you bringing in a Sammy Blay, a capping of Rana to solidify your Stanley Cup team, you know, three, four, five years ago? No, that's not the case. This is a situation where – you want to te- keep the team competitive. These guys give you a chance. Like I said, all three of them are inexpensive. Whatever the retool looks like next year, you feel pretty good based on what we've seen that these guys can help.
0: Last question for Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider with the Athletic. We got uh, some young guys on the on the uh, the in the line combinations tonight for the uh, Blues as they take on the Dallas Stars. What do we what do we what should we know about some of these uh, opportunities for these young players tonight,
1: including McGinn? Well, first of all, are you going down there, Riv? Are you between the benches?
2: Uh, no, it's a national game tonight, national ESPN, year, okay. but I am going down there. Um, I'm going as a civilian tonight, JR. I don't oh. know if there's been a game <laughs> this year that I've actually attended if I wasn't working. So the girlfriend and I are going to head down and enjoy the evening.
1: Okay, rest in peace to the beer kegs down there at Enterprise tonight. But That's I bourbon. think uh, you if, you, <laughs> if you get down there, Riv, you got to check out this mustache on uh, Hugh McGing who's going to make his NHL debut. He looks like a little bit of Ted Lasso here with the mustache. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> he, he goes yay tall, and when I say yay, he might be looking up to Darren Pang over there. Uh, they uh, joked with him, who's taller, Nathan Walker, Tory Kruger, Hugh McGing, and uh, he said they want to stand side by side. But they all three might be shorter than Colton Pareko's stick. But uh, the <laughs> kid's got some. The kid's got some feistiness, and uh, he deserves it. I added up the American Hockey League games today. He's played uh, about 160 of them, and he's getting his first crack at the NHL after being a, uh, I believe, fifth-round draft pick 2018. So he's going to get a chance tonight on that fourth line, and he was sitting next to Alexei Torpchenko at the locker stall the other day, and both those guys were uh, living it up. They're excited about playing together here in the NHL, so that's one player that you'll get a look at tonight. Good stuff. All right,
0: right, Jr. enjoy the rest of your day and – I want to apologize for Jamie and I. We didn't wish you a happy birthday last week when we talked to you. We talked. I brought it
2: up, and Anthony said, no, we're not doing that.
0: (laughs) But happy belated birthday to you. We hope you had a
2: great 38th birthday, my man.
1: Yeah, no, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I wish. But, no, thanks every time. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you down at the game tonight, Riv. Uh, Save me a bourbon. You got it. Thanks for the warning. All right, <laughs> it might be a jerk to what? JR? Oh, he'd morning. do it to me, too. Okay? He absolutely would. He yeah. gets it. He, gets he
2: it. totally. He's been around hockey long enough. Yeah, he knows. He knows. We <laughs> only make fun of the ones we like. If we don't say it, guess what? Beware at that point. That's
1: true. You're like, oh, wow. What did Beware. I do wrong? He's me. always nice to me. Yeah.